0: welcome to inbound agency journey this is the
1: show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies shortcomings and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency now here are your hosts andrew and gray All right, welcome back to Inbound Agency Journey. Excited to have you guys here and excited today to bring on Charles McKay from Syncs onto the podcast. Charles, welcome in, man. Glad to have you here.
0: Thanks very much for having me, Gray. Um, Pleasure to be on and looking forward to having a chat.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm excited. So we're doing this right now. It's 5 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon for me here in Western PA, and it's 7 a.m. in the morning for you. Now, you're in Port Melbourne. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's right. So in Melbourne, Australia. And um, yeah, I'm in Port Melbourne, just right near the bay, which is um, nice and fresh for sort of kicking into the cooler months.
1: Nice. Hey, so I mean, I think we all know, judging from the accent, that you're probably an Aussie by birth. (laughs) But uh, did you grow up in Melbourne or where did you grow up?
0: Um, yeah, so I grew up, um, two and a half hours west of Melbourne on a, on a small, um, farm. Um, so we had a mixed enterprise property of about two and a half thousand acres. Um, wow. And yeah, yeah, so, um, you know, pretty much grew up in the middle of nowhere, um, with a town. I think the town itself had about a hundred people that lived in it, um, and the community, you know, four to 500 or a little bit more maybe. Um, yeah, so very different to what I do today.
1: Wow. Well, I, I mostly want to talk about what you do today <laughs> and your story getting here, but now now you've got me all curious. So sure. two and a half thousand acres, I mean, I'm assuming agricultural farm. What, uh, yeah. what are you guys doing?
0: Yeah, yeah so we had um, my grandpa soldier settled the farm in the 50s and um, after the war and with my grandma and they, um, obviously started to clear, you know, clear the place out and clean it up. And, um, it started off with mainly being a a sheep property. So, which led into fine, more fine wool Merino. Um, Mm -hmm. so that turned into a a stud. Um, and then, you know, as wool, the, the world progressed and people wanted more and more, um, we had to move into, um, you know, to feed the sheep. So that meant grain production and, um, cropping, um, and then as the sort of 2000s came in, and we also had a, a, bit, of, um, a bit of beef, so a bit of cattle as well, mm-hmm. um, and then some fat lambs. So fat lambs are, you know, meat production, sheep. Um, and then, it, you know, started to move more into grain production um, with canola, a lot of wheat um, and oats. And, yeah, but still had the sheep, you know, fine more merinos. Um, but yeah, so being a mixed business or mixed enterprise and where we were in the Western districts of Victoria, um, you sort of have to do that. Although if I went out there today, there's a hell of a lot more acreage being, um, farmed for, for grain and, um, canola, etc. Um, but yeah, in the, I suppose the late eighties as well with the wool crash, um, it forced a lot of people to move more down the grain production as well.
1: Right. Wow. Wow, what a background! Well, that's awesome. So, yeah, this is kind of perfect. I mean, that's where we start, anyways. Is kind of with your personal story. What gets you from a farm, uh, growing up there, into running an agency?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting one. So, after I think I got to year ten, and um, you know, I was I was pretty much addicted to sport. Um, and I'm actually dyslexic, so the classroom and I were not the best of friends. No friends. Um, I'm, <laughs> I may have been a pretty annoying disruptor in the classroom. Um, but I think it's sort of where a lot of the stuff that I do today has come from and, and on the farm as well. Um, and after I you know, left school at home where I grew up, like, by, like I went to boarding school, um, and that was an, another step up and another challenge, and Dad and I actually sat in the... Uh, Car park at school and he said, you know, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm not going home That's for sure. I want to have a crack at something of my own Um, So we sort of said right, you know We'll put a 10-year plan in place that you're going to build your own career and do what you want to do And then if that doesn't work you can come home and take over the farm Um, and then long story short um you know i was actually overseas in 2007 and i rang home for my birthday and dad said oh we've had an offer on the farm and i said oh is it good and he's like yeah and i said take it um because you know at that stage i couldn't retire him you know the capital to get into the farm was way more than what i wanted to invest and just the return as well the return on that investment is such a long-term thing um Mm -hmm. so farmers are obviously asset rich but money poor, it's, you know, it's hard to get cash, so yeah, so then I, I moved to Melbourne and, um, you know, I didn't I didn't want to go to uni um, just because of my background and I, I'm such a hands-on guy and what I love to do is find out how does someone does something and then cut it in half and make it easier mm-hmm. um, because I think, you know, just because someone did something one way... 10 years ago it doesn't mean it should be done that way today, and obviously that's happening everywhere now. Um, but I always had that methodology, so whether it be you know drenching sheep to um, pretty much anything I do today, there's always got to be a simpler and easier way, and obviously technology led into that. So I then morphed into an IT career um, and worked as a consultant for about four years. Um, and then moved my way into a large family business where I worked in a whole series of roles throughout that business um, and but when before I finished up there I actually ended up running their construction division in Queensland where I had 60, 60 guys under me and huge budgets and you know project managing 60 story towers to be painted um, and from that I then morphed into starting an IT business um, just because I, I always wanted to do my own thing. I suppose growing up on the farm that, um, you know, I, I knew that I could do my own thing. I didn't have to do what everyone else did. Um, right. See, so yeah, I started, started an IT company and, you know, learned a hell of a lot after, you know, not doing a lot of these things, um, but got that going. But then um, three years into that, I started an entrepreneurial journey. Um, and I didn't self-sabotage the business, but I probably did. Um, and I just lost the passion after being in technology and IT for you know nearly 15 years. Um, it was time to do something new. And the biggest theme I saw throughout this entrepreneurial journey was, you know, every business has got ideas, but, you know, they all they do is talk about their product and service and not many people could sell it or market it very well. Um, and that's where the inbound journey started. So I... I started looking around at what platforms existed because, you know, from an IT background, I'm like, well, there has to be platforms that do this better than people. Um, Once you've got the platform in place, then you can align the people and process over the top. Um, So, yeah, and that's how I found Inbound. Wow.
1: So what year is this then that you are doing this research and uh, looking for platforms?
0: Yeah, so that would have been 2014, midway through 2014, um, And then I actually came up with an opportunity to sell a platform. And I, you know, I didn't really, I I just wanted to broker the deal. I didn't even want to implement or service the deal. Um, But obviously, once you start getting into those partner programs, you realize that that's not possible. Um, Right. So I was was like, okay, so I'm going to have to build another service based business here. (laughs) Um, And I sort of started that journey then.
1: Wow. Well, that, that is a uh, that's quite the road to get to, to the agency that you have now. So now that we kind of have your personal background, if we look at Syncs, uh, how do you kind of if you had to give that to us in a nutshell? How do you describe where you guys are at today?
0: Yeah, so I think in that so I think it was 2015, February 2015, we committed to becoming a partner, um, so of HubSpot, um, and. You know, did I really know what that meant? I had a little bit of an idea, Um, but reality, it took about six to eight months to get through all the certifications, and I'd sold a few licenses. I'd implemented a few, you know, a few series of the platform, Um, and initially, you know, I could implement the platform, and I could do some consulting along the way, but I realized very quickly that I was leaving a hell of a lot of services, you know, on the table, and which meant cash on the table as well. Um, So I was like, well, how do I layer up these services on top that, you know, part of the training of HubSpot's onboarding, et cetera, that I'd learn about. But I'm like, oh, this is going to be really hard to deliver. Um, And so I I think in that two years, so what are we at, April 2017. So in two years, I've done a lot of the the playbooks. um, And I think now we're starting to morph into the playbook, that's more got my articulation and my voice to it than just out-of-the-box ones Mm -hmm. Um, and it aligns much more with probably bigger businesses that have been around a lot longer um, where you can just make dress so like I said before you know where businesses are already set up and they have processes and services in place but you can just cut them in half and make them more efficient Um, I suppose that's where we're at today
1: right that makes sense. So, have you seen then, I mean it sounds like from starting this thing out a couple of years ago to today, the, you know, the target business or the business you can help the most has kind of moved to upmarket from a smaller business?
0: Um, yeah, it, ha- it has. Um, although you can still help those guys, I prefer to set them up for success, so give them the tools and give them the scope to do it where they can, um, right. just because, you know, most of the guys obviously listening on this podcast are going to understand what's involved in delivering these services and people think it's really easy. Um, but when you break it down and pull out all the headcount and work out who's involved in what and how that happens and even how one simple blog can be written when you do it in the right way, it's a hell of a lot of work. Um, and I think the value of that has been diminished slightly. Um, And, you know, what is that real value? What does that really mean to a business? And that's, I think, the biggest lessons that I've had is how do you articulate your value and not talk about what you do, like I said before? Um, And I think, yeah, I think it's really interesting. We're in that nice middle place where a lot of people have probably going through that similar state is like, cool, this is the playbook we've been told to sell. (laughs) But how do you articulate that value when other people are trying to sell that for $4 an hour? Right. Um, yeah
1: yeah that makes a lot of sense in terms of the services that you guys are providing, just to get a sense for um where the agency is now mm-hmm. uh, like on the site, talk about inbound marketing, obviously, talk about sales enablement and platform yeah. migrations, and those are three that are highlighted obviously at the end of the day, there's like an, uh, maybe an ideal client or a typical client may be using all of the services but What's kind of, uh, as far as breakdown of the business, is it like very heavy still on kind of tactical inbound marketing, um, a lot of the pieces that HubSpot's teaching or has it shifted to the sales side? Is it kind of overarching? How does the, what does the service breakdown look like?
0: Yeah, so um, most of the work now is more morphing into, you know, how do you enable the sales team to do more deals? Um, Because at the end of the day, that's going to give you, especially depending on the stage of the business and where they're at. but most of the time it's a big shift to go from an outbound you know marketing strategy to an inbound marketing strategy or no marketing strategy to an inbound marketing strategy so you have to you know what i find you have to get some quick wins on the board as as quickly as you can um and to convince that change so like most of this stuff it's all change management and managing those stakeholders to understand that we're here at the minute and we need to get to there. And if that's to happen, all of these things in the middle have to happen. Um, so obviously the platforms you can show some huge wins by changing some internal processes with them. Um, and then we focus on the sales team. So how can we help the sales team do more deals? Where are they frustrated? Um, you know, what processes do they not like? What systems are they using that they just don't use? Um, you know, after implementing so many bigger, older CRMs in my day and trying to force sales guys into using systems they hate, um, you know, that's not going to make them do more deals. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where I focus heavily now. Yeah,
1: that makes a lot of sense. Well, I want to pull out one thing that you said there because you brought up the concept of quick wins and this is something that agency after successful agency has realized and it's kind of turned the corner on is i don't know what it was like um as you were getting up and running with hubspot specifically but when we joined the hubspot partner program at our agency Guava box back in 2012 Mm. the like essentially you're selling people these inbound marketing services obviously hubspot's the software is an annual commitment so we were taught to sell annual contracts and and you kind of also brought up the subject of like how how long you kind of repeat what's been fed to you versus when you find your own voice and find what actually works for you. Mm. But, but the way that we were kind of taught to, taught to sell inbound is set the expectation that, Hey, we're going to do this. The results because of creating content and the timeline involved with that and the timeline to rank in search engines and all that thing, all those things, um, in order to really see a positive ROI, like don't expect that until month six or month nine or month 12 or whatever. Mm. And, well well the activities that that were being described did take time and did actually produce results there are very few business owners who want to buy into something and say I'll invest $30,000 and wait 9 months and then see <laughs> w- whether it yeah. pays off or not so finding ways to create quick wins and positive ROI early that then builds trust the all trust is is simply setting expectations and meeting or exceeding those expectations um, in relationships, everything about relationships and trust uh, comes back to expectations. So, setting expectations and uh, producing on those earlier is going to produce that trust sooner. That then is going to allow you to convince change that actually does take a long time and and make those bigger investments. So, I think had we known that earlier in our process, we would have grown a lot a lot more quickly in those first couple of years. Um, and so, I think that's big that that you pulled that out and wanted to highlight that here that. That's a huge takeaway for agency owners, any business, is just figure out how you can how you can give your customer a taste of what this is going to be like and then convince them to make the bigger commitment kind of as you move from there.
0: Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. And that, those two components of setting expectations, that's massive. Um, but the other one is, you know, what is the problem you're solving here? Um, and then what does that problem mean to that business? Um, so... You know, every business is not a cookie cutter, like they all probably have, I'll just rephrase that. Every, every business probably has exactly the same problem, but what they see the problem to be might be completely different. So you've got to know how to ask the better questions to get them to tell you what their problem is. The sooner you solve that problem for them, the quicker you have their trust, and then they can start to listen to you from a you know bigger picture of where you're trying to go. Um, but, yeah, that, I think those two components are massive is what's the problem and then set the expectations around that. Um, and that's, I think, where we've done quite well.
1: Right. I think you're that's that's a great way of putting it, just that a lot of those problems, the underlying problem is the same or roughly the same, but but the way that everybody describes it, everyone thinks it's a unique problem because they describe it differently. So yeah. I like that a lot. And-
0: and the, the you know, why I'm starting to see, and especially with my background, there's some pretty big gaps starting to pull between, you know, the sales market, like the HubSpot's obviously talked about this marketing and sales and marketing and, you know, alignment. But I think there's a big gap between the IT team as well. Um, and that's the gap I actually really work on um, because, you know, traditionally, IT guys can't talk to marketing and sales teams, they dislike those teams. Right. Um, so how do, you, how do you talk to those guys when you're not, you know, not a technologist? Um, it's really interesting.
1: Hmm. I think that's a, that is a big gap to fill. So I'm assuming because of your background and the types of businesses that, that you're working with, that you guys probably go through those kinds of, uh, like, are fitting into that hole and helping to bridge that gap right now. Are there any, like, customer stories or wins from... Uh, bridging that gap and and what that looks like practically?
0: Um, I I probably have a few stories. It's hard to probably articulate it whether that's been the defining factor or not. Um, But being able to talk to, you know, technically to the IT guys what they want from probably traditionally the marketing division coming with I need this and this and they can't wrap their head around why. Um, it can remove a bit of that internal conflict, um, but, you know, the bigger and more enterprise sort of deals you start looking at, um, it's where this obviously comes into play. So, you know, a bigger business understands that if they're going to implement a system or a platform, they're investing in that for five years. They're not going to just change it after, you know, two years or even one year. Um, and, you know, you see these, um, obviously the SaaS model, it's all about reducing the churn um so they make obviously to get into the platform so easy but then you know how is that platform actually implemented to then so it won't be churned um and i think that's a really big component of anything when it comes to software is if you're not actually solving the problem initially then it's probably going to churn so you've got to look at that implementation strategy make sure that it's right um and then the business will obviously invest in that for a lot longer because they know the, or if the business is bigger, they will know the cost to implement a platform because it comes to, it's not just the consultant's time, it's the internal time, it's the internal training, it's all of these components. Um, they're not going to want to do that every, you know, 24 months, that's for sure.
1: Right. Yeah, the activation is, is huge. Yeah. Well, so I think that's helpful for just to understand kind of that gap from your perspective and how you guys are helping to work on that on the, so kind of on the flip side, aside that, that and the sales side of things, something that you guys are doing a lot of and doing well right now on the, not like a weakness, but in terms of goals for improvement here in, in 2017 or an area where you are struggling right now and working through, um, are there any areas of agency operations or client uh, journey stuff where uh, where you're focused on improving right now.
0: Yeah, so obviously part of this process of you know being sales and marketing, um, there's really subjective components to things. So you know design and content are so subjective, um, and I'm really looking to try and build out something that shows that and proves that quicker um, because we've found that when we have the license so obviously you guys would have heard of the growth driven design methodology and that's definitely where we're working towards um is having you know that quarterly or month quarterly or annual goal to work towards and the client potentially not even knowing what we're doing um we found that when we had early clients where they didn't really get what we were doing we would get better results until when they started to get involved and take it over and that's when everything gets so subjective. So, you know, content writing, design, et cetera, um, get so important to them. Um, so that's something that I'm trying to work out how to probably articulate and manage internally better um, because it what that does is slows everything down. So if you've got multiple revisions, everything slows down. Um, and then, you know, that eventually is going to affect the client's results at the end of the day. Um, and then the other thing that, you know, really trying to work on is, you know, replication of services because um, I suppose growing and learning so many things so many so quickly, um, you know, how do you replicate those things and make it more, not transactional, but, you know, we'll become better at those services along the way. Um, that's the key two focuses, you know, for this year, really.
1: Right. When you say replicating services, is that... Um... I guess like productizing your services almost or like putting them in a package where you kind of have these deliverables or campaigns that you're going to launch and then that's the item for clients?
0: Sort of like my playbook. So depending on what the the stage of that business is at, whether they want sales and marketing alignment, whether they want growth, whether they want, you know, more conversions, um, you know, we'll standardize those playbooks internally for our own um, side of things. Um, You know, this – so much content out there it's just about right you know what works for us and then you know it's not going to work for everyone um but majority of the time if we do 80 percent of that playbook it will make a pretty big difference to that business
1: right right that makes sense well awesome well i have i have two questions for you here um that i I like to ask folks one is a Mm -hmm. super hands-on technical one one is the opposite Mm -hmm. of that yeah, but the first one is um, in terms of like the tools that you interact with on a day-to-day basis. Are there um, outside of like the standard go-to tools that that probably most agencies are using? You know, Google Apps, HubSpot, Slack, Google Analytics, those types of things. Are there any not necessarily lesser-known tools, but it, it could could either be like lesser-known tools that you use, or just tools that you use in a distinctive way that you think might be helpful for people to hear about?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um two definitely one is bug Herd. um i'm not sure if you've heard of that one but for q a of sites or bugs on your site um is easily the best tool under the sun um there's probably others that do it but i use that all the time um and then another platform i use quite a lot is lucid charts um mm. just to mind map things document things get it out of I'm, you know, I'm a very visual person, so I need to see it. Um, obviously, one thing that HubSpot finally built was the visualization of their workflows, so that made things a lot easier. But when that was just in a list, that was just a nightmare. Um, so yeah, very visual. But those two, for sure, I use them nearly on a daily basis.
1: That's awesome. I'm so glad you brought up Bugherd, because that has not come up on the podcast before. But I love just how simple that is to use and having a Chrome extension right there, like it's definitely one of the easiest tools that i've experimented for, with um, for being able to give feedback just so quickly
0: yeah and you know especially once you know it's really interesting so many people would understand this when something is designed and then it is built you know what was in the designer's head to depending on what his notes are and everything on those you know those files to them what is built it can also be so subjective so just rather than slowing that down by toing and frying by email or a Google sheet, just bug it and we'll right. fix it.
1: Right. That's awesome. Well, here's the opposite question of the technical one, and that is um, kind of around your your typical morning or what what gets you going, what helps you be productive throughout the day. That first, it doesn't have to be first hour or first two hours or whatever, but are there any keys? What are the building blocks, I guess, to a productive day for you as an agency owner?
0: Yeah, sure. So I think this one, I've always been pretty routine-based. I like to talk about a lot of, you know, you don't know what you don't know until you're aware of it. Um, so a lot of these things I was doing without being aware of it. But um, at the minute, I'm actually doing a 12-week program, which, um, you know, it's three times a week. We get up at 4.30 and we go to the gym for an hour and, you know, get absolutely hammered by a, a PT. But it's actually it's built for me which has been really cool Um, but on top of that if there's no movement or actual gym exercise I'll always go for a walk and I'll do the three three threes so you know three things I'm grateful for and then three things I don't know if I'm spiritual or not but just you know to be aware of and why um, I do what I do and then my three to do's for the day and then without a doubt every morning I'll have a cold shower um, just to really spark me into gear before I put my clothes on and go to work.
1: That is awesome.
0: Um, it's
1: always fun to hear what people are doing, whether they are kind of habit-driven or uh, or not. So that's uh, always fun to hear where people are at, what they're doing. Well, this was really helpful, Charles. I appreciate you coming on and being willing to share your story, your experience going from uh, growing up on a sheep and grain farm <laughs> to, to here running a, a platinum agency in uh, – in Melbourne, so that's awesome. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, definitely wish you the best here moving forward.
0: No, thank you very much, and I, I appreciate you for reaching out to me. And um, yeah, I'm more than happy to share. And you know, anyone out there that um, gets stuck on these things, it's it's you know it's I think a big takeaway that I've had in the last few months is we've got time. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to happen in a month or three months. That you've got time, and you know, people can massively. Overestimate what they're going to do in one year and massively underestimate what they're going to do in three and five years. So it's all about that journey.
1: So true. Yep. Well, the notes, resources that you mentioned here, your website, which is just synx, synx.com.au, all those things will be in the show notes at uh inbound agency journey or slash podcast. You can grab the show notes there. Charles,
0: thank you, man. No worries. Have a great day.
1: Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.